Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode six of Love ADHD. I hope it's episode six. I'm pretty sure it's episode six. I I was going to say, you sound very confident, so let's go with it. I'm committed. It's six. Okay, so I'm very excited because, no, it's got to be seven, actually. Oops, it's definitely seven. Okay, because, well, because we did your story first, then we did my story, and then we've been doing five things you didn't know, you didn't know about ADHD, and we are on number five. So it's got to be okay, episode gonna, seven. Okay, and and when Mackie edits this, Mackie, leave this in because Julie and I are going to be very real. Okay, so I'm pulling up the numbers, and it is, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll, episode six. No, it's not. It says it on How the thing. How is that possible? Okay. Well, did we miss okay. one then? <laughs> Maybe I did. All right, hang on. Here we go. Okay, episode one, Tony's ADHD journey, then mm-hmm. Julie's ADHD journey, then mastering time and tasks, mm-hmm. then feeling all the feels, then mm-hmm. when hyperfocus meets procrastination. And then one is coming out. No, one is coming out tomorrow, and that will be number six. And this is number seven. You fool! I feel so rejected. My rejection (laughs) sensitivity is off the charts. I happy to hear that. Wait, let me have some emotional (laughs) dysregulation because that leads perfectly. Oh, end scene. Julie and I today were acting. Right? (laughs) Don't we wish? Don't we wish? No, we were not. Okay, that's our for reals conversations today. We are talking about though (laughs) the fifth thing. We've made it to number five of things yeah. that you didn't know. You didn't know about ADHD. And it is emotional dysregulation, which you've had just a sample of maybe. Hey, Tony, take it away. Let's talk emotional dysregulation. Also, if you fall apart and cry during this, I would love that. Um, kind of just did emotionally dysregulate there. And we had some emotional dysregulation right before we jumped on because you told me that I was overweight. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I did not. Actually, I know, but I, so I really didn't emotionally dysregulate, but the reason we saved this one, the best for last, although I think the rejection sensitivity is, I've gotten a lot of feedback from that one. That one's a really big one, but this is one where um, when I am working with clients a lot, I talk about emotional stability. So you can almost think of the opposite of that as this emotional dysregulation. And I was going to tell you a client story, but I feel like there's a better one that has to do with myself. And that is the old at some point, my wife let me know. You know what's funny too? I might have made this story up. This might even be a confabulated memory now that I think about it. So if Wendy listens to this, I, you know, just tell me I'm right about this one because I've, I've had enough rejection today from Julie. But this story is where at some point I, I said, hey, am I, aren't I awesome or something that I'm saying it that way? And she said, oh, we never quite know which version of you we're going to get. Are you going to be the super happy one? Or are you going to be like kind of down, a little bit broody? And I was, and I thought, how dare you? I'm always on and happy. And then I realized, except for when I'm not. And, and then I was a, it was an opportunity to kind of self confront and grow. And and I would recognize that if I somebody had even as simple as paid me in cash that day, then I come home and I'm going to make it rain and we're going to go out to eat. And then other days, if if I just paid bills or something like that, then I might come home and go, man everything's so doom and gloom. And so that emotional dysregulation. So my emotions could be all over the place. So it can be as big as a story that I was about to tell. um, But it's a client I had that the way he finally realized he had his ADHD was after he was an adult human being in a boardroom and just threw papers and and pens and all kinds of stuff when he basically didn't get his way. And then, and then he was a virtual couch listener. And then he heard me own up to my ADHD and then got the diagnosis. But then he realized that he would do that often but then he would apologize. So the emotional dysregulation, then he felt like, well, I told people I'm sorry, and then I'm really good. But what you don't realize is that that can be a lot for the people that you are around, either you work with or in your family, because you feel like, no, I'm good now. I'm cool. 
But then when you're not cool, you're losing your stuff. And so those people around you start to not know which version of you is going to show up. And, uh, and I think that that can just be almost overwhelming for people that are in relationships with ADHD people, as fun as we are. There's plenty of benefits for that. So yeah, welcome to emotional dysregulation. Julie, and I want to know, what do you think right now hearing it? Because I think this is one of those where I always thought, well, everybody does this. And then all of a sudden I look around and there are people in my life that are pretty steady, pretty calm. And I would always call them boring before, but I think they may actually be emotionally mature or are just more steady. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Not so much the throwing the pens and things, but I heard all of that and I was like, oh, I think I have ADHD. That's what I thought. Again. Okay. Again. Yeah. It's a daily thing for me where I'm like, but do I? And then you talk and I'm like, wait, don't say that. I know. It's so wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Different, different emotionally. I'm not a rager. Like, and I think especially having this space since I got divorced, I mean, I've been, we've been apart for 16 months, maybe divorce has been final for like nine months, but Mm -hmm. you know, when you live alone and you have that extra space and time by yourself and to see how you kind of work without any other pressures and you kind of do it your own way and stuff. Oh yeah. The emotional dysregulation of I'm my big dreamer. I'm a doer. I do all the things. Mm. And then I feel like I have moments every day where I'm like, or maybe I can't do anything and actually... There's yeah. no hope inside. Yeah. I can do that. And yeah, I've totally shitted on myself about it where I'm like, what the what? Like, oh, I didn't work out today. I guess I'm never going to work out again in the entire <laughs> world. You know, it's like I yeah. work no, out every I don't day know. and then I, I miss what... a day. Yeah. And then, yeah. then I miss a day and I'm like, I think I'm going to gain 300 pounds and be unhealthy and die in four years is probably what's going to happen. That's where my brain yeah. goes. It's insane. Yeah. It's not insane. Yeah. It's, it just is. It just is, and it's that, special, and it can be a superpower. Yeah, but I like what you're saying, though, because, again, we can make jokes about it and that sort of thing, because when it is the way that you think, when it is like your what it feels like to be you, then when I don't feel that way, then I feel awesome. So then everybody else should know that as well, and they should know that, no, I'm I'm more awesome than I'm not. But then those times where I'm down, yeah, but I'm over that now. Like, that was just a moment. But then those people around us are left kind of feeling like which one. I can remember at the time where I think I was sharing my maybe probably 10th or 15th big dream of the day with my wife. And we're probably at year 25 of marriage at that point. And, and I was kind of seeing that she was not jumping up and down at this time. And, and so the way I remember it was I was kind of thinking, man, part of me is kind of wondering why you're not super excited about this. And again, I'm so grateful for her to then bring to my awareness that she got pretty excited about probably the first three or 400 ideas in the first decade of marriage. So the last 15 years and the last couple of thousand of them, when I don't actually follow through on them, then apparently it's, it's a little bit more difficult to get all excited about things. So, you know, I can get excited and I can have the next great idea and I am going to do this and I am going to change the world then, but then I also want to go on a run or I want to watch TV. And so then I don't quite change the world. But to me, it's like, it's, that's cool. It's kind of the way it works. I don't know. Do you have those kind of big dream sweeps up and down? Absolutely. I feel like I have moments every day. I'll have been down about something. And then during the day, yesterday I was car (laughs) shopping and I was just like, oh, I was, I was kind of down this morning when I woke up. And then I was like, I didn't realize that I can do anything I want with my life and I can be (laughs) whoever I want to be. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to clean my entire house and it's going to smell so good like fall. And I'm going to get all those emails done. And I'm also going to write a book tonight. It's like, I just woke up to real life and I'm like, Oh, I forgot. I've got, I can just do whatever I want. And I'm like really brilliant and good. And I'm like such a good friend to people. And I'm, Oh my gosh, I'm like going to go take people's stuff tonight too. I can just do it all. Yeah. 
Okay, Julie, I, I don't even know if we'll get to our outline. I think we should just keep swapping stories on this because I think it just proves its point. I'm going to be very vulnerable. So this morning I got into my office and I always get in a couple hours early because I like to create and write before clients come in. And I'm meditating, which I absolutely love. I really do enjoy it. And that's been something that is hard for somebody with ADHD to do. And now I've done it long enough that it's really nice. But I got thinking about it and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I want to do some record some of my own meditations and because I could offer those because I talk about it so much on my one of my other podcasts and I could do a couple of meditation examples. And then I remembered, oh, this is about the 15th time I've thought about this idea. And, uh, and so far I'm 0 for 15 on execution. And then it's funny when you said I'm going to write a book and then I'm with a client, I think my second client of the day, and they said something and I wrote down in my notes on the little tab of, oh, oh this would be a great book idea. And then I just thought, and I was thinking today, how many books have I not written that I thought that I would write? It's fascinating. So we are big dreamers, but does it get you down or do you just notice it? Is it just a thing? The fact that I dream big, but don't do all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we do a lot of things. Yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to figure out. What's the balance here? Okay. Because you were doing other stuff instead of writing those books, you know? Oh. You've done a lot of stuff. It's not for lack of doing meaningful things. I think I said this in a previous episode, but one way I've been looking at it, or maybe I had 50 this month that I wrote, you know, a paragraph about in some random Google doc. And I ended up doing two of them this year. And you know what? A lot of people don't do two. You know, a lot of people don't do a podcast for two and a half years every single week for, you know, a lot of people don't have two published books and that's not to, that's not to toot my own horn, but just to look at like, no, but I am willing to kind of move and go on impulse and be like, no, I have something here. And you look at some of the most successful people in the world, I think are people whose brains operate like that because we're, we're brave and we're, yeah. you know, we're kind of ballsy. I don't know what the other <laughs> word for that is, but, but we don't have those. So I don't know if I should say that for myself, but like, I just, I just. <laughs> I thought you're saying dreams. I'm like, yes, you do. You do have those. But... I can't even say the word again. I don't use language <laughs> like that, but I just kind of will go for it. And I kind of love that about me. So, well, and my question I wanted to ask you, and then we should talk about exercise too, because we have thoughts about okay. that. Because uh, that's uh, yeah. something that helps with emotional dysregulation we've connected on. Yeah. How do you take yourself seriously still knowing this about yourself and not get down and be like, yeah, I probably won't do it because mindset is, is huge. So if you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do it though. You never will. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I have so many ideas, right? Yeah. We know that we, the ironic thing is we have an hour, we were going to record two podcasts every week and then we ended up talking and now we, I think we left ourselves like 15 minutes to do this episode. So I want to, I've just wasted 30 seconds, but I think it's so funny to talk about it that way. But, Mm -hmm. um, but I will, I want to, I want to touch on this almost every single week because this is the stuff where I'm going to pull the old wise man and sage card and just say that the concepts of acceptance and commitment therapy fit so well as a therapist in my life and helping clients and with things like ADHD, because it starts from that place of, again, nothing's wrong with us. We just are. And we think and act the way we do because we do, because we're the only versions of us that have ever walked the face of the earth. So we see that we may have these, uh, these neurological, wonderful gifts, like shorten certain things that don't get enough dopamine. What a joy. And so we may be a little more impulsive and, and maybe not quite follow through on things, but there's other areas where we do it pretty well. But but acceptance and commitment therapy works from this place of acceptance of that that is how I am and it isn't a good or a bad thing. It just is. And so then, but it, it takes a long time. I, I talk so often about our implicit memory or what it 
feels like to be us is, is based off of the residue of our lived experience. And it's a slow process. So I really do feel like because of things like we'll talk about exercise and meditation and acceptance and doing a lot of things until I don't do them. And then noticing that shame, guilt, that stuff for me personally, feel I feel like it's just a waste of emotional calories. And so then over time, what it feels like to be me is somebody that notices that I've started a lot of things. That's a thing. And then I will continue to do that. And I accept the fact that I probably won't finish many of them. But then when I do, that's pretty cool. And then I've learned along the way that I don't need my wife to jump up and down every time I suggest something. And that's been an opportunity to grow because then I start to feel pretty good. I start to self-validate. And then when I do something then and nobody says, oh man, that's pretty cool. By that time, there's a weird thing where I'm no longer doing everything for validation because if it's gotten to a certain point, it's because I have now really believed in myself. So I, your question is so perfect because I feel like I don't really take myself very seriously. And I do accept the fact it's it's pretty wild, just all of us trying to make sense of things that we're just doing for the first time in our lives. And so then with that acceptance, then I'm not really wasting any time of the like if I do something for a few days and then I forget to do it for a few days, I used to go, well, I guess I'm, that's not a thing. But now it's like, that's fascinating. And if it's something I want to do, I'll start doing it again, knowing that I probably will stop at some point and then do it again. And, and But there's no more of that, you know, what's wrong with me or why do I do that? Or I know it's bad or like that stuff's been gone for a little while. And it's really cool. Like it's a nice place to be. So I don't know if that answers the question. I Maybe. like that. That's it. That is a good place to be. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I was just talking to you about a personal situation where I was saying, I feel like I'm yeah. in a space where I don't know and I'm okay that I don't know. Yeah, and that's and a pretty that's cool like, thing. It is. Is it scary though? Okay, I was going to say, I, I, and here I'm making the judgment. I'm no, like, it, that's no, really cool, it's right? Not, I think it is. It's yeah. not scary, but when I wasn't there, if you told me that, that sounds scary. Yeah, the and, feeling yeah, like, is that, I'm not yeah. scared. And I get scared feeling like I need to know right now. That, that's what I was say is like, right now, whether it's, yes. I mean, we could talk about this with faith journeys, right? With so yeah. many things of being okay with, I'm not totally sure. And I'm at peace with that, you know? Yeah. So that's why I say like, we, we, anything. we want, yeah. yeah, we want, we want certainty so bad. And mm-hmm. I have to accept the fact that I won't have certainty because that's where it's like, but what if this happens? And what if this happens? And we'll, what if everything to death? And, and so then, yep. then I won't, cause then I'm almost waiting and I could, I could tell you, okay, go lay down on your couch. Let's do a little therapy session here because this comes from our childhood because it's like when we needed validation or to be told what to do or to be told it's okay to do that or to think that or to feel that way, you know, then we, it's not like that goes away. So we're still right. like, I don't know. And it's almost like we want somebody to say, you can do it. But then we immediately go, well, yeah, but so it, we stay stuck and then we end up being really reactive to the things around us. And I keep trying to tell people, man, I want you to take control of the narrative of your life. And people are like, yeah, but it's scary. Yeah, totally. Not even arguing that. And what if it doesn't work out? Well, I'm like, well, then we'll, I don't even know what work out means, but we'll figure that part out. And then if you do that long enough, then that's what it starts to feel like to be you. And then, it, and then it's like, oh yeah, I don't know. I mean, like we've, yeah, we've talked like the deep philosophical things you and I have. And, and there's that part was like, yeah, I don't know. And it's like really comfortable where I used to say, I don't know, as I was curled up in the fetal position in the corner of my, totally my office. Totally terrifying. Right? Yeah, well, it's, yeah. It's the difference. I mean, I talk about this on my ICU podcast, but also in my book and, and I train on it now is the difference between black and white thinking and high definition and black and white is so thinking in absolutes. And it's, yeah. it's a really safe way to live for th- people to be good or bad, wrong or right, right? Even right. situations, yeah. good or bad, wrong or right. But then yeah. the problem is when you are faced with something that's more nuanced and doesn't fit that, then your entire world shatters and you feel anything but safe. Like it's a false safety. And I've experienced that firsthand where, you know, it feels so good to just know everything, man, it feels good. There are days that I miss that. that. There are days that I miss that that I have all the answers, 
but yeah. I choose a wholehearted life where I have to acknowledge the personal experiences I've had, the knowledge I've learned, the research, all the things. And what that comes back to is I am less sure of as many things, but the things I am sure of, I feel more sure of than ever, if that makes sense. Hey, so much sense that that's, that's when I talk about a concept called the healthy ego, that the healthy ego is based off of real experience, real life experience. And then once mm-hmm. you like mm. recognize the things that now you know because you have experienced them and, and you now know them, what comes with that is I'm also now more willing to accept the things I don't know. Then the theory there is the more that you are stepping into your healthy ego, then you won't be as easily rattled because it's like something that's from within. So then when somebody says, well, I think you're this, or I don't think you even understand, if I'm coming from a place of I'm actually the only one that knows what it feels like to be me, and I'm the one that's had the experiences that have brought me to this point in my life, then if I'm going to stand in my healthy ego, then I'm going to say, man, I appreciate that. You know, I feel like that maybe that's different for me because it's because I know me better. But then I also, what comes with that is that I will be the first to now say, man, you know what? I don't know. You're right. I don't know that. And when you haven't been that consistent with your healthy ego versus emotional immaturity, then people are still unsure. But then that ends up being like a them issue because now right. they're the ones saying, well, I don't know if I believe you. And at some point it's hard to, you want to just say, I appreciate that. But I mean, that's, that is kind of a you issue. If you want to have, ask some questions and, you know, I can maybe, I can maybe provide you with some safety, but if not, I don't know how to, I don't know how to not be how I am now because that's, a, that's part of that healthy ego. So I like that. Okay. But let's talk about why you called me fat before we started yeah. the episode. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I just yeah. want, I just want to say real quick. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think there's just power as far as like, what do you do once you notice that you do this and just recognizing, oh, that's a thing my brain did. How funny, right? I mean, you say acceptance. Absolutely. Like I have to laugh at it and be like, oh, I'm never going to work out again, huh? That's funny. How funny. And just not take it too seriously. And then it actually flows through me quicker. All right. So, you know. And yeah, and act, it's like the, they call it like, oh, that's the old, I'll never figure it out story. Like I know that one. Yeah, I'm a great storyteller, right? I'm a great storyteller. I say that all the time. Man, you're a good storyteller, right? I'm telling myself a story. You've always been amazing at that. Look at you go, you know? Okay, but you're fat. You're fat. Thank you. (laughs) Rejection sensitivity. I is doing great. I did not call you fat, first of all, and I'm not gaslighting you. I didn't call you fat. What happened was we were talking (laughs) about things that help with emotional dysregulation besides accepting it, which is exercise. And so I had noticed that, that the research shows that. And I had said, Oh, I can definitely talk about exercise. You said, look, old man, I'll take the exercise Did thing. I don't, know if ever, you, I don't know if you've ever heard of that is what you said. And I was like, Oh, stop really? trying to okay. tweak my reality. Okay. Right. So that's what I said. Oh, oh yeah. I could talk about exercise trying to be helpful because I'm not the therapist yeah. here. So sometimes I'm like, what does Julie Lee bring to the table here? You know, except fun or whatever. What do I oh, bring? So I'm not very fun. Is that what you're saying? I'm not very fun. Okay. <laughs> I hate I see. this conversation. So then, so then what did, what did you do with that when I, I said, know it, oh, it really, I it really was, no, it's yeah, funny. Tell me. It was, it's, but it's really good because I was, I felt safe. And so that I said, okay, Julie, you check said this it out. Immediately. Like, yeah. I did. Me. I said, I said, when you said that, I immediately went to the, oh, I, Julie must not know that I've run like over a hundred ultra marathons <laughs> and that I like have only worked out six days a week for 25 years, because if I don't, then I feel like I'm a worse husband, father, a human being. And so I really have almost, that's been saving my life. But Julie, you can talk about it. Like it's no big deal. Like I was doing that, right? I guess I just said it all. And but but I thought that is not funny though. Yeah. Yeah, but you told me right away. It was like a split second. And you're like, want to know what I just thought? But what's yeah. funny is as soon as I said, Oh, I can do the exercise one, I immediately was like, 
what am I doing calling myself an exerciser? I've run one half marathon. I hadn't even gotten to comparing myself with you. So thank you for that. Cause that really brings it in perspective how not an exerciser <laughs> I, I am. So no, but I was like, like I haven't exercised today and I did all the other days of the week, but I woke up late and I ate a lot of treats last night. And sometimes <laughs> I run a couple miles and do yoga. But actually I was at the chiropractor because my hips are jacked up. And so I actually can't run anymore. Who am I calling myself an exerciser? <laughs> So, so we're both that. awesome, right? So cool. So cool. Yeah. But, uh, but yay exercise. Okay. We yeah, got to get the ADHD because I have a client here in like a couple of minutes. Yeah, we do. I could, yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So who's doing, am I doing you, love ADHD? I've done, I think, I think they've heard enough of my love notes for now. So <clears throat> no, I think you do no. one about this emotional dysregulation situation that sometimes we, we encounter. Okay. Okay. Uh, I forget. Do I address it to myself or do I do it to just no, somebody? You ju- no, you just choose a name. Cause what if the listener, that's their name? Oh, Okay. I, don't know. Uh, I just impulsively made that up. Okay. Well, now I'm like, I, I don't want to get the wrong name. No. I don't want to like make somebody. <laughs> it's high stakes. Uh, just dear, dear Peter. How about that one? So you have a client named Peter and you're disclosing I that don't. Right now? No, see, I don't even have one. I think that's I'm why I went kidding. with that. So you're okay. very smart. Um, okay, go. Dear Peter, dear Peter, uh, boy, those big emotions, huh? Those are something. And you've probably always felt like those were some of your best traits and your worst. And the reality is the answer is yes. But now that we've accepted that, then, uh, then we can start to work with those. And I hear my client coughing out in the waiting room. And so now I'm distracted, but, but in the past, um, or at some point in your life, when you get distracted, you get really emotionally dysregulated and then, uh, but then you let everybody know, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then when you see the look of terror in their eyes, then, uh, then you don't realize that you, you're a handful, but you're a, a good handful and, and so now I'm really, I'm just rambling and, but sometimes you do that, but then instead of beating yourself up for the rambling, because that would be um, emotional dysregulation, then you try to find yourself back on track, but then you also sometimes look up at the clock and see that you've rambled for over a minute now and you wonder if anybody's still listening. And then that makes you feel really sad, but, uh, but then you can get really happy because, because look how easy that was. You don't even have to have a reason. So when you look at it that way, what a joy what a gift this uh, ADHD is and the emotional dysregulation. So um, the more that you can do things and stuff, your pal ADHD. Okay. All right. So, so far, so far. They've, okay. Tony needs to go to good. No, I loved it. I loved it. It was so good. I love it. Okay. We are doing okay. this for a reason. Okay. Enjoy yep. your client. Okay. Be a good therapist. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, okay, I will. Bye. Bye. Bye.